listen, everybody I talked to last week said that that was the best Easter service they've ever been a part of. And I have to concur, and I've been to several. And I'm not the brightest bulb in the chandelier, but I'm not stupid either. I know it didn't have anything to do with the sermon. What it had to do with is the worship that went on here last week in a way that I've not ever seen here. I mean, uh, the Holy Spirit's here every week. When that changes, I'll be gone. I promise you that. But he was here last week in a way, oh my goodness. It was amazing. First two services, I couldn't even sing. I couldn't get the words out of my mouth. So thank you, praise team. Thank you again today that they get here uh, 5.45 in the morning. Last week, they were here at 6.30 this morning getting ready to get us to the throne. It was amazing last week. But here's the deal. Some of us weren't here last week. I I know some of you watched online. Good, that's good for you. But I want to tell you, and I don't want to offend anybody, but it's not the same thing. You missed out. When you're not here, you missed out. And some of you that are watching this morning, it's time. You get back here. It's been over a year. It's time to come home, okay? But there were also some people last week that didn't watch, didn't participate at all in Easter. They missed the whole thing. Some of them you know. Some of them you work with. Some of them with your own homes. And that's sad. That is so sad. What I want to do today is very simple. I want you to think of two or three of those people, three or four if you want to, and, and bring them to the altar this morning and pray over them. That's what we're going to do. Now, <clears throat> I'm always quick to tell you where I stole my material. I'm fine with that. But this, these notes I've been looking over <laughs> uh, last two or three weeks, I don't remember where they came from. So, I, and they might be mine. I mean, th- that happens sometimes, okay? Uh, don't be shocked by that. I know the first part of this is mine, and you'll be able to tell too because I'm rambling, and that happens when it's my own stuff, okay? But I want to talk about prayer this morning, and I don't know if you remember this or not or if you're aware of this or not, but South Union Christian Church is a house of prayer. We're known for that. You talk to people in our brotherhood, some of the ministers that I run with, this, we're known for prayer here at this church. And, and family, I'm asking you, let's get back to this altar. It's not magic, but it is powerful. And we've been away from it for a year. Get out of your seats on Sunday morning. Come back up here and get in the habit of getting on your knees. If you don't want to be around people, we got three songs, 15, 20 minutes. You can find time up here. We need to get back to that. Today we're going to pray for people. Sometimes you'll hear somebody say almost apologetically, I really don't know what I can do to help these people out. <clears throat> All I can do is pray. Really? Seriously? All I can do is pray as if that is some substitute for action. When all of us in here know that's the thing we need to do. That's where the power is in prayer, and that's what I want to talk about. In the book of Revelation, we get several glimpses of heaven. And I don't know, probably four or five years ago, I found this personally, and I think I shared some of it. But I'm telling you, if we can get just a piece of what I'm going to ramble about to begin with this morning, if we can just get a little of it, because that's all I've done, it'll change everything about you. It'll change everything around you, and it'll change every person you come in contact with. It's that big. Are you interested? I thought you might be. Revelation chapter 5, 6 through 8. This is John. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb. Each had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, and check this out, which are the prayers of the saints." The prayers of the saints. 
Family, this is a picture of angels walking around in heaven with bowls full of prayers. How powerful our prayers must be. How important to God they must be that he keeps them in a bowl, for heaven's sakes. Psalm 142, verse 1, David says that our prayers are an incense to God. And he says that when we lift our hands to God in prayer, like we talked about Wednesday night, and and when we lift our hands in worship like we do here sometimes, that's actually a sacrifice to God. And get this, the Bible says that when we tear up, you know how sometimes you're praying and you get teary-eyed? God keeps those tears in a bottle. Angels walking around in heaven with bowls full of our prayers, And according to Psalm 56, 8, in the Amplified Version, God has a bottle with our tears in it. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. It's that powerful. We were praying for the Ernestes and the Southerns last week, and and the tragedy they went through, and we're praying, and we're crying about that. God kept those tears in a bottle. You're praying for your kids, you're praying for your grandkids, and you cry about it. He keeps those tears praying for your finances, praying for your marriage, praying for your job, praying for your health. He keeps those tears. Family, listen to me. When we sit and pray, when we ride in the car and pray, when we stand and pray, when we come up here to this altar and pray, God keeps all of those prayers, every one of them, in a bowl. Now, somebody might say, well, wait a minute, Cain. We read the text, too. It said the prayers of the saints. The saints. Look around who you're talking to. I mean, you got crawdad sitting there. (laughs) You know, hey, you got Bill sitting there. You got Melvin at home watching. You know what I mean? The saints. I get it. I know what you're saying. But if you get a minute, read 2 Corinthians 1 1 and 2 Corinthians 9 1 and uh, 13 13 and, and just read some of the passages like that. And you'll be reminded that if you are of Jesus Christ, you are the saints of God. You are. Listen to me. I'm not talking about a, a bunch of the saints. Prayers from saints in the book of Revelation. I'm talking about prayers of people who are in Jesus Christ at South Union Christian Church right now. God's keeping those prayers in a bowl and the tears that come with them in a bottle. And I'm telling you, that's amazing. That's huge. That is wowie big. But it gets better than that even. Just a few chapters later in, Romans, or in Revelation chapter 8, around verse 3, we catch up with our prayers again. I'm going to start with verse 1. This will wreck you. I mean, if I can get it out the way I got it in here, it'll wreck you. I'll start with verse 1. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half hour. Now, by the way, I think I've told you this before, but that, that text is always very crazy to me. Silence in heaven for a half hour? I never did understand that. Leon explained it to me a long time ago. He said that this is proof positive, I know, that there are places in heaven with no women. He said, listen to me carefully. He said, there are heavenly man caves. There are heavenly workshops. There are heavenly lodge memberships up there. He said, it has to be because you can't have total silence unless you get all all the women. That's what he told me. Now, I know that's out of line, ladies. And I told him so. And I also have his phone number and address if you'd like to get it from me. Well, I, (laughs) I looked through the commentaries. And there's two possible explanations for this half-hour silence in heaven. It's so intriguing that come to the top immediately. And it could be either one. It could be both of them. They're both amazing. And the first one is this, uh, that when the scroll is opened and it's laid out, that that's actually the first time in heaven where the heavenly hosts are getting a picture of the salvation of mankind. And it is so big and so glorious 
And so amazing, like we talked about last week, that the angels are just absolutely blown away. It takes away their breath, and they are speechless for a half hour. They can't even talk. That's pretty cool. And that might be the explanation. But there's another one, verse 2. I saw the seven angels who, stand before, who stood before God, and they were given seven trumpets. Now listen to verse 3. Another angel who had a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. So he's got the prayers right up at the altar. He was given much incense to offer, which, what do you know, were the prayers of all the saints, our prayers. My prayers and your prayers were taken to the altar, and the, and the angel's just about ready to, to lay them before the altar. Now, I'm going to stop there, and I'm going to finish this thought later because I got to practice in this sermon, and I realized it's already cost me a lot of time, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Because this also points out the second possible explanation for a half hour of silence in heaven. Isn't that intriguing to you anyway? Okay, so one possibility is uh, the angels got to see the plan of salvation for the first time and they were speechless. Here's the second one, man. This is just amazing. I'm just going to read it straight from William Barclay's commentary. He writes, There may be something much more beautiful in this whole idea of silence in heaven for a half hour. It could be that the prayers of the saints are just about ready to go up to God. Remember, he's about to put them on the altar. And it may be the idea here is that everything in heaven stops when that happens so that the prayers of the saints can be clearly heard by God. R.H. Charles says the needs of the saints mean more to God than all the other things in heaven. A wonderful thought, he says, even the music in heaven and the thunder of revelation is stilled just so that God's ear may catch the whispered prayer of the humblest of his saints. Here's what I know for sure. Our prayers are so important and so powerful. They're kept in heaven in a bowl. And our tears that come with them are kept in a bottle. And it just might be that every time you and I pray, there's silence in heaven long enough for God to hear it, which is just really a clip in eternity. So is it worth me rambling a little bit, taking a little time, praying about the people we know and love at the altar on Sunday? Yeah. Yeah, it is. So that's what he wants to do. Well, who do we pray for? Well, number one, we pray for our enemies. That's tough enough. Paul says in Romans 12, 14, and 17, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Never pay back evil with more evil. And Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Are you kidding me? Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. And all of God's people said, are you funning with me, right? Do you have any idea what she did to me? You got any idea that he cheated on me? Do you? Do you realize what they did to me? You want me to pray for them and love them? Yeah, I do. Because the Bible reminds us that our prayers are in a bowl. They're that powerful. And they change things. They change our heart. They change the people around us. So, yeah, you pray for them. I'm not talking about picking out curtains. I'm not even talking about going out to eat with them or, or going golfing with them. I'm talking about loving enough to sincerely, genuinely pray for their souls because it will remind your heart that they have value just like you do and that you really don't want anybody to go to hell. Nobody, trust me. So you pray for your enemies. Secondly, we need to pray for the unsaved. I got to tell you something, <clears throat> and I'm sure a lot of you are like that, but like this. But when I went home last week, when I left here after the third service, I didn't know if I was going to be able to get to my recliner at home. I mean, I was stuffed. I couldn't have eaten another spiritual bite. I was so full of your love, 
some of you I hadn't seen for a while. I was full of his love. I was full of the power of the cross that we talked about. All this worship singing. I was so filled up. There's a God-shaped hole in every heart that only God can fill, and he filled it last week. But there were a lot of people that didn't get any of that. And you know them. And not only did they not get any last week, they never get any of that. And we need to pray for them constantly. Understanding how powerful our prayers are. We say, Lord, please uh, uh, pray for them. You're the hound of heaven. Please go get them. Pray on them right now, Lord. Go after them. And you pray week after week and month after month and year after year. And before you know it, their hearts get tilled. You know, the soil in their heart gets tilled a little bit. And, and then out of nowhere, <laughs> you get a brand new brother or sister in Christ. It's amazing. Ask my mommy about this the next time you see her. If you're in Christ, you'll see her again. I think pretty soon, by the way. Ask her about Danny Wright, my cousin. My mom prayed for my cousin Danny Wright for 35 years. That's a stubborn saint right there. You know what I mean? She prayed over you for a long time too, brother. She's a warrior, and just about the time she was ready to give up, I mean, out of nowhere, it shocked everybody in our family. Danny became a Christian, and he's on fire for the Lord. And I'm just reminding you, family, as we continue to talk about making disciples who make disciples, it is so important that before we talk to people about God, we need to talk to God about the people. We need to pray over them. Ephesians 1, he'll open up the eyes of their hearts so they can get the spirit of wisdom and revelation and see how powerful he is, how much he loves them. And the time to do it's now. The harvest is ripe. You say, Lord, I want to be a part of this. I want you to use me. Please give me an opportunity this week to talk to so-and-so, whoever's on your list there, and get their hearts ready for me before I even get there. You say, when's the best time to do it? After work, before work, at lunchtime? Now. Right now is when you do it. I know you guys remember this quote. This was from Shakespeare, Caesar. There is a tide in the affairs of men, which taken at the flood leads to fortune. Omitted, all the voyage of their life is bound in shallows and in miseries. On such a full sea are we now afloat, and we must take the current when it's served or lose our ventures. Do you remember what that translates to? Eat the biscuit while it's hot. Eat the biscuit while it's hot. Family, the biscuit is hot, man. I'm telling you, and not just because of the Easter season, never before in my lifetime have I seen people as empty as they are right now and as confused as they are right now. And I'm talking about Christians and non-Christians alike. They have no hope. They see the future. There's no hope in the future. They can't find the truth anywhere. We pray for them. We pray that they find the truth of Jesus Christ, that they stop getting their identity and their title and their money and, and what they have and the stock market and what party they're affiliated with and wh what movement they're involved in, that they get their identity in Jesus Christ and it changes everything about you. All of a sudden, you're making your decisions on the real truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says. I'm going to give you an example because I already told Aaron after I practiced this, I knew I was going to have to flip through the rest of this and I'm going to have to. I know. I'm, work I'm working on it. The vaccine. Should I take the vaccine? Should I wear a mask? Should I get in the stock market? Should I vote for them? Should I send my kids there? You know, where are you getting the truth in all this? Just let's take the vaccine. Where are you getting the truth? Uh, are you getting it on the internet? <laughs> Bonjour. You know what I mean? CNN, Fox News. Where are you getting your info? Somebody asked me just last week, 
have you taken a vaccine yet, you and Nancy? I said, no. And they said, why? I said, we just haven't yet. And, and listen, it's not because I'm anti-vaccine or I'm worried that the government's trying to slip something in me in 666. Well, we just haven't done it yet because here's what we do instead. We do what a lot of you do. We pray about it first. And I put it on her. Listen to me. I just bought a, a, a nine-year-old convertible to replace my other one. It, it only cost $8,900, but we prayed a week before I bought that car. We prayed before we went on vacation. We bought a washer and dryer last year to replace our 13-year-old washer. We prayed before we... Why wouldn't I not pray before I took a vaccine? We teach these people to go to the truth. You sit down with the Holy Spirit and say, do you want me to do this or not? And then you've got to be quiet someplace, shut up, and let him talk to you. And here's what happens with the other part of that. Then I can't judge anybody because he might tell you something different. He might tell me to take the vaccine because if I don't, I'll get COVID and die. He might tell you not to take it because if you take it, you might get one of those rare blood clots and die. He might tell me not to take it so I will get COVID and die because he wants me to come home. The problem is, the thing is, you've got to trust him. And then once you've prayed and got your answer, you can't judge anybody else because he might have told them something completely different. People got to have that truth, man. They can't find it anyplace else, and we got to pray for them. Another group we got to pray for is local and national leaders. I know that the People's Republic of Monroe County and the state of Indiana and the federal government look like they got everything under control and everything's smooth as silk. <laughs> Here's the deal. It doesn't matter who we elect. It doesn't matter if they're liars, hypocrites, loudmouths. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're career politicians or new politicians. It doesn't matter who we elect because the Bible is clear as a bell. God puts them in and God takes them out. That's God's job. Our job is to pray for them when they get in there. 2 Timothy 2.1, Paul says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all of those in authority. Why? That we can have peaceful and quiet lives in all goodness and faithfulness and holiness. I know these are tough days, and I know everybody hates everybody. And I know if you're a Republican, it's hard to pray for those evil Democrats. And if you're a Democrat, it's hard to pray for those stupid Republicans. I know that. But if you're a Christian, it ought to be easy to pray for either one of them because God told you to. That's enough right there. We need to pray for our spiritual leaders. If you're an elder in the church, if you're leading the ladies, if you're coming up here and leading worship on staff or not on staff, if you're leading a small group, if you're teaching, if you're involved in the children's ministry, you covet the prayers of people. 2 Timothy 2.15 Make every effort to show yourself as one approved and workman who doesn't need to be ashamed, who rightly divides the word of truth. I am begging you, family, with everything that I have, that you pray over me and ask God to, to, to give me the authority and the anointing to preach his word in these crazy days boldly and clearly, unapologetically with lots and lots of love. Pray that I don't cave in to anybody or anything, that I preach the word Please pray I don't make any mistakes, James chapter 3. I think you all know me. I think you know that the love and the hugs I give you are not fake. I love every one of you. I give my life for you. And I love to preach. And I would never intentionally use the word or this platform to manipulate or take advantage of any of you on purpose. I'm asking you to pray to God that I never even do that on accident. I covet your prayers. I'm asking you to pray for our elders and our staff and their families. 
because I don't have to tell you, you've got an amazing staff here and crazy, wonderful elders. And if I was Satan, I'd do everything in my power to shut this place down. And we need to beg God that that doesn't happen, that the Holy Spirit never leaves the lampstand, never takes it out of this church. We need to pray for our neighbors. Some of you don't even know your neighbors. Lived there years. You pull in, the garage door goes down, you never see them. Go next door and introduce yourself. Talk to them, take them, have them over for a cookout or something and talk to them about Jesus Christ. We are running out of time and the harvest is plentiful. We need to pray for our co-workers. Some of you work with people, one-third of your life. You spend a third of your life with these people, eight hours a day, and you don't even know if they know Jesus Christ. Talk to them about that. We need to pray for hurting people. You know, we just got through praying for the Ernestes and the Southerns and all that, but it seems like here in these last few months, these last few, couple of years, it's like every week we got somebody losing somebody or somebody's got cancer or somebody's got COVID. And, yeah, gift bags are nice and, you know, taking them cookies and sending them a card, so are good. But the power is in prayer. And if you don't have a prayer list, get one and start praying for these people. And man, oh, man, we need to pray for our family. Some of you are living with people right now, like we said earlier, don't know a thing about Jesus. Or they know a lot about him, still haven't made a move. I mean, pray constantly. Pray every hour until you know more hours left. All right, I'm going to quit. I, 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 look how many of these I went through. That will make you real happy. Just zip, 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 zip. I told you earlier that I would uh, finish this thought on Revelation chapter 8. I'm going to do that right now. And uh, then I'm going to give you plenty of time to pray during the worship time. Get back up here to this altar. Take your time doing it. You'll have 15, 20 minutes. I'm going to go back to verse 3 and following. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer, uh, which were the prayers of the saints, on the golden altar before the throne. Okay, so he's he got our prayers in a bowl, and he's coming up to the golden altar. He's going to put our prayers as a sacrifice on the altar of God. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of the saints, went up before God from the angel's hand. And listen to verse 5. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, hurled it down on the earth, and there were peals of thunder, rumbling, and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. It's like you guys sang about here at the beginning. God was moving mountains and doing all kinds of things. Here's the picture as we come to this table today and ask Jesus to, to just fill our hearts with this, this whole business of his broken body and his shed blood, just thanking him for what we have and asking him as we pray for people that don't have that. A couple of ideas. Number one, when you pray, you're taking a sacrifice to the altar. Some of us are not in a position to sacrifice anything else. It doesn't matter. Your prayers are the biggest sacrifice you can give. And the second thing I want you to notice is those bowls that they're carrying around. Did you see what happens? When we pray, eventually they get full. And when they get full, the angel mixes them with fire from heaven and dumps it on the earth. And there's earthquakes and peals of thunder and lightning. And God moves. Would you like to see God move again? Fill the bowls up this morning. Come on up here.